Welcome to episode 16 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. Before we get started, I'd like to tell you about the Raising Vibrant Kids podcast hosted by Rachel Blair. I recently was honored to be on her podcast as a guest, and we discussed parents as leaders. I hope you'll check out her podcast, and I'll have the details in the show notes for you. Rachel does an amazing job just helping all of us see parenting as vibrant and playful, and who wouldn't want that? So I hope you'll check that out. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Yamin, who has been listening constantly to our podcast in Finland. <laughs> Thank you. We're in the top 125th podcast in Finland, and it's all due to him. Thank you very much. So this episode is a continuation of our episode 15, which was about empathy and compassion. And we took Brene Brown's um, distinctions from her book, Atlas of the Heart. And we've continued that into this episode and will also in episode 17. So this episode will cover the emotions of stress, overwhelm, comparison, envy and jealousy, uh, with a little resentment on top. So... I hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Girl Take the Lead. And we're in our second episode of our Brene Brown series. And I have with me, I'm so pleased to have Sheila White Scorn with me again. She was in our episode 15 and will be with us in episode 16. So Sheila, thank you for coming. And Yay, uh, and you want to tell a little bit about um, yourself to uh, our listeners? Sure. My name is Sheila Whitescorn. I'm an intuitive life coach here in the Bay Area. And I recently, about a year ago, did a career pivot where I left corporate America and started my coaching practice. We have known each other for probably about, I'm thinking, coming up on nine or nine years or 10 years or so, Sheila. So. <laughs> we've been through a few things in life together. So thank you for, for again, coming today and discussing um, emotions with our, with us and the listeners. And just in case we'd love for you to listen to the whole episode 15, which was about empathy and compassion, but just to give you some background, Sheila and I both saw emotions as being so very important when we saw Brene Brown had done the book Atlas of the Heart and then the HBO Max special, we were all over it. And we knew that we had to do some episodes about that. So Brene Brown brings up the point that emotions are very, very important because they're about the way that we're able to connect with others and also with ourselves. So she defines connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. You know, she brings up the point that we tend to think of ourselves as thinking machines and we don't pay attention to our emotions. I think she has so much to say about that, especially when most of us think about our emotions as happy, sad, or pissed off. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more there. Yeah. I really enjoy 
enjoy the docu-series and the book so much. And, you know, I really loved what she, how she describes language as our portal to meaning making and connection and healing and learning and self-awareness. And that is all, uh, all the things that I absolutely love. She really, um, one of the, that really enlightened me was she talks about how we can't read emotions in people. And it's funny because I think we assume that we know how people are, although we don't go very deep with them. Like when we're in the work setting, we may not be paying close attention to the emotions. The other big thing for me there too, was that, you know, we, we can't know the emotions of someone else that we have to. Yes. So before we get into the emotions we're covering today, just again, you can go to episode 15. And uh, one of the things she does say is that the biggest barriers to developing brave leaders, you know, are cultivating courage is that most of us don't want to know our emotions. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want to feel accountable. Um, and we need to understand how we feel what we think and our behaviors so that we can understand ourselves better so we can connect with others. So that's why we're doing this today. We're going to cover a few different emotions that we think are key to leadership, stress and overwhelm, which seem to go hand in hand with anybody who's been in corporate life, as well as envy and jealousy in comparison. Um, so we'll be covering those today. So let's get started with stress and overwhelm. I'll start with stress. Um, stress, the definition she gives us is when we evaluate our environmental demand as beyond our ability to cope successfully. This includes elements of unpredictability, uncontrollability, and feeling overloaded. And she uses the example that when she was working in a restaurant, that stress is being in the weeds. What I saw there was when you're in stress, people can still help you. You know, she used the example of, can you, you know, cover table 14 and tell the cook this, and, you know, she could still function. And mm -hmm. I thought that was a pretty good example of stress. Whereas overwhelmed is being blown. And she gives that example about she literally can't function. And, you know, at the restaurant, everyone steps in and takes over, has her leave the restaurant and go take a break while they pick up all of the aspects of her job. It's um, being completely blown. She says, right. That it's, that there's just nothing left in the tank. <laughs> like what you said before too, Sheila, that so many times when we're working, we don't see our stress. We don't realize right? We're just doing. Absolutely. I think that I recognize that in myself quite a bit now that I'm not working in the corporate setting, being at home. It, it really took me about a year to decompress. I, I really, I can't believe it was like I was on a hamster wheel. I didn't even know it, how stressed I really was. And, and kind of where that stress goes in our bodies Mm -hmm. you know, your neck, your shoulders, you know, cause we're holding so much. I know, uh, for me too, uh, retiring in September of 21, I, I could feel like my body just began to, to lift. I would wake up in the morning, very joyful. 
as opposed to dread <laughs> about, yes. about all the things I had to get done. And I think point is made too, that daily stress takes its toll, right? Ch- chronic exposure to stressors can be detrimental to health, <laughs> both mentally and physically. And it's said here too, that you, it correlates to more rapid aging, decreased immune function, greater inflammatory processes, less sleep, and poor health behaviors. I think I could check yes to all of those at some point. You were pretty good about doing your walks that remember when you would do your walks yeah. every lunch. And I was somebody that definitely put off, you know, walking uh, and getting exercise while I was at work. And um, I really look back and think, why did I do that? It, I, I needed it. Tremendously. Well, I think too, you know, like there were certain things that played havoc with my immune system. Like I had um, got shingles at one point. Oh my gosh. I just was fatigued, kept pushing, 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 you know, to do more and, you know, wake up in the night with a clenched stomach. It was a lot of bad things I was, I was going through, but I just didn't have time for it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I had to keep moving. I had to keep going. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that this younger generation can get more balance um, because I was not a good example of balance at all. There was a time though, when the universe kind of took care of me where I had no jobs, like when the kids were in um, high school work, I was doing um, consulting, whatever I could get in terms of work, but it, it made me really available for the years that they were in high school that I could go to the water polo games, be the snack shack mom, you know, help the Girl Scouts. I could do all of those things um, because I wasn't working full time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just how it worked out. It, I don't think corporations at the time were built to be a place where, pe- where women, especially that had children, had flexibility the way that I think it seems that Emma and Kiki have in their companies coming forward. I agree. Mm-hmm. It was a lot harder to get that when I was. Yeah, there was a real expectation to be in the office. To- yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other thing about overwhelm that I really liked is that John Kabat-Zinn description that our lives are somehow unfolding faster than the human nervous system and psyche are able to manage well. True. So true. And um, the cure, she said, was uh, no agenda, non-doing time, which means like we don't make decisions. Mm-hmm. I can I can remember one example where my mom, we were, my father had just passed and we were a mess emotionally. I know we were in overwhelm because when someone passes, it's all of the things you need to do, Mm -hmm. you know, get the death certificates, um, contact, you know, all these organizations, um, you know, let you you just have a tremendous amount of things to get done when you're the executor of someone's estate and it's a really bad time to make decisions. Do not 
people listening to me do not make big decisions when big things like that happen. <laughs> That's so true. And that used to happen a lot. It seemed like when I was at, you know, working and in the corporate setting again, and, you know, in between meetings, barely had any time to catch my breath. And then I would get a call or a text from my partner you know, asking me, you know, either to do something or trying to get me to focus on an, a very important decision that we needed to make, whether it was hiring a contractor for the house or, you know, something significant, you know, a financial decision. And I'm like, this is not something I can talk to you about right now. We're going to have to discuss it tonight when I get home. Yeah. It's a great time to just we can use her words. I'm blown or I have, I'm done. I have no more. There's no bandwidth left. I like that one too. I have no bandwidth. That is kind of the equivalent of blown. I mean, when you hear somebody say they don't have bandwidth, that is their version of blown. I feel like in our culture, you know, before this book came along, it seemed like everybody's stressed every day. So stress loses its power. You know, when you're listening to people, you're not really, when they're telling you they're stressed, you take it in, but you're not really letting it stop you from pursuing whatever it is that you're trying to communicate or, you know, arrange with them. Yeah. But having the language that dis- that describes these these things is helpful because then we can articulate what's really going on with us. Right. And I think it gives us space, like, because we've started to do this in the family, you know, with um, the girls will say, you know, I don't have any bandwidth. It's like, okay, don't, don't make any requests. Just give them space, let them get their energy back, you know, or I'll hear them say, I've got low energy, not a time to make a lot of requests about folding the clothes or (laughs) putting away things. (laughs) Parents, trust me, it's not a good time. So, um, yeah, this was so helpful about this distinction of stress and overwhelm. And I, and I, I loved what this scale that she mentioned on a scale of one to 10. And I think this had to do a lot with overwhelm. I'm feeling my emotions at about a 10. I'm paying attention to them at about a five. And I understand them at about a two. That is hilarious. I mean, when you look, when you think about it, it's so true though. Cause when you're in it, it is, it is on your face. It is like covering you and you, you've got to really take a moment to breathe and assess where you are so that you can move forward. Okay. Let's see. The next area we wanted to cover is comparison. And two areas within comparison are envy and jealousy. And we kind of, I thought these were terrific topics for leaders because um, looking at my own life as a leader, I can honestly say I compared myself constantly and had a fair amount of envy going on when I was coming up the ranks. So this, these were right up my alley in terms of my life. So I really wanted to cover these. So talking about comparison, she says the definition is the crush of conformity from one side and competition from the other. 
It's trying to simultaneously fit in and stand out. A crushing paradox. I love this part. Comparing is not a choice. We're hardwired for it. Comparison says, be like everyone else, but better. And I thought, oh, I always would feel guilty about comparing myself. Could be the way I was brought up, um, but definitely felt, you know, good people don't compare to another person. It seems like this is just a human trait. Yeah, I remember reading that um, in the book, how comparison is actually not an emotion, but it drives all sorts of big feelings that can affect our relationships and self-worth. Yeah, I was curious about your, when you were just sharing about coming up the rank, so to speak, and on occasion feeling or what have you, did that serve as a motivator for you to work even harder or was that, in, I mean, how did that um, impact you? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I, I think it impacted me by being resentful of the other person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here I am, full disclosure. Um, I don't think it made me work harder. It just really didn't make me want almost to not, I mean, I almost got to the point where I was going to go on strike. You know, I can remember once comparing my progression with somebody and then saying, and when this person got promoted before me, and I was completely surprised by that, that I went to my manager and said, I think I'm going to look for another position within the organization. And it wasn't really a, a thing like you need to promote me or I'm going to leave. It was more like, I was so disappointed by that happening. And I I went, I must not be perceived uh, the way I thought I was. And maybe somewhere else I'll be perceived better. So I was doing it for myself, but it turned out I got promoted. So sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just need to change your environment. But I can't say it made me more loyal or made me want to work harder. Um, it did kind of put me in a zone where I wanted to take some action. Yeah. Well, taking action, I think that's the key, right? That's the key with getting out. Even when you go back to stress and overwhelm, it's in order to get off the hamster wheel that I was describing before you have to decide that you're going to take action and not do that in yeah. order to break the pattern. Yeah. And I also think it's important to, to find your voice in it, like where you are in it. Because I think we can, like my disappointment in that case, I could have easily just dismissed and been a good soldier and kept working and not taken any action and said, you know, I'm just not good enough to be promoted. But that wasn't the truth for me. Mm -hmm. My truth was I was good. I did deserve to be promoted. And it was okay if it wasn't going to happen in that environment, I could go elsewhere. And that, that would, that could happen. And that was okay with me. So I think it's all of us finding what is going on for us when we compare and not look at it as 
something that we just have to take. We, we don't. Yeah. She describes envy at with the, the distinction between jealousy and envy is really, I thought, very key in that envy occurs when we want something that another person has. It just involves two people. Jealousy is when we fear losing a relationship or valued part of a relationship we already have, and it involves three people. I think in the case of me looking for my promotion and seeing that the other person got it was a case of envy. I saw my, I saw they had gotten something that I wanted and I was envious. Jealousy would have looked like my boss begins to pay her or him all kinds of attention that used to come to me. That to me looks like jealousy. Mm-hmm. So there's three people versus envy of two people. Yeah. I thought it was interesting learning about resentment uh, and how resentment is part of the envy family. It's not from anger. And I think that you and I talked about this earlier. We both commented on that, that we both always assumed that resentments was rooted in anger. And I thought it was very interesting Resentment um, is an emotion that we often experience when we fail to set boundaries or ask for what we need or when expectations let us down because they were based on things we can't control, like what other people think, what they feel, and how they're going to react. It's hoping that drinking our own poison and hoping that the other person will die. I, I loved that she said, it's better to have discomfort than resentment by really using our voice. And she talked about how, if she's asked something, she'll use her ring to go around her finger and remind, it reminds her that she can decline and do that and be uncomfortable with it rather than hold it as resentment. I thought that was a really beautiful analogy. Yeah, I did too. Being able to, you know, hit the pause button and really kind of go within and really get more clear about how you're, why you're feeling that way. I mean, I don't even know if, again, this is just my, my opinion, but I'm not even sure, you know, because we're not used to really talking about emotions in the workplace. I'm not even sure people are really in touch with, you know, resentment, you know, they're, they're likely more, you know, um, aware of envy because of like what you described earlier with, you know, the movement that's taking place, the, you know, promotions and teams changing and that kind of thing. Resentment, you know, comes up a lot, I think with those interpersonal relationships at home where you have to dig in and then you realize what it is like, you know, you know, when their partner or something like you realize, that they're, they're feeling resentment, resentment towards you about something that happened. And you had no idea they felt that way. Mm -hmm. If we're feeling that way in our personal lives, then I would think it'd be, it's harder to discover that in a work setting, you know, depending on your, who you are in the work culture. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's hard sometimes to recognize emotions, we, you know, cause we stuff them down 
-hmm. We don't, you know, they, they have a beginning, a middle and an end. And most of us, if we don't get through the tunnel as, as um, Brene Brown's recent podcast talked about you, you get stuck and that becomes, I think rather like, this is your life. This is how it always looks. And you don't recognize it as being out of, you know, out of alignment. You, you, in my family, you know, there, we are, we learned resentment early on. We were a socially compare, we socially compared all the time and it just really led us to a lot of envy and resentment. That's, that was really the big part of our family dynamic. And I think it's hard to recognize it once it becomes such a part of your DNA and you just live with it and you just go, oh, there's another thing to be, yeah, it's not going to work out, uh, you know, whatever could be also resignation about things, but I think it's hard sometimes to recognize it. But when you do, it's nice that we can let go of it, you know, mm-hmm. to have, like she said, in the moment, be dis- be uncomfortable live with the discomfort rather than have the resentment. In my 12-step program, we have, um, there's a passage that we read on page 552 in the big book um, that others might find interesting as a way to handle resentments, which is, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. And it's recommended that you do this every day for two weeks and you will find you will come to mean it and you want it for them, and you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. And I think, you know, that's, that's a a terrific way to handle resentment, to wish somebody else, all the things we want for ourselves, learning to say our voice and speaking into things that we're uncomfortable with, all of that is important so that we can just be aligned and centered and, you know, handle our emotions so that we're not killing ourselves with them. Yeah. It reminds me so much of, you know, forgiveness, you know, when you forgive, it's really not about the other person. It's always about you. And it gives you the freedom once you forgive. And once you let go of the resentment, again, it sets you free and gives you that space. Yeah. And on that note, Sheila, is there anything that more that you would like to add to the conversation that we might've missed? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a good place for us to end. The important thing, everyone, is to look at our emotions. Let's not get stuck in them, push them down, or 
in my case, having eaten over them for years. <laughs> um, and let them, let them be real with us, however they are. So, so Sheila, before we leave, um, why don't you talk a little bit about your coaching, who your ideal client is and how people can get in touch with you. I really specialize in assisting people who have been overwhelmed or they might be getting ready to make a big change in their life, whether it's a career change or a relationship change, but those are always moments in time where it's helpful to have a coach to work together and kind of manage through that process together, as opposed to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. And so uh, a coach, they're different than a therapist. They're forward thinking, they're helping you create goals. And they're really like your cheerleader, kind of helping you get from A to Z. And, and how can they contact you? You can follow me on Instagram at Sheila Whitescorn and click the link on my bio. Excellent. And we'll have that in the show notes too. So thank you again, Sheila, for being with us. We sure appreciate you being here. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and we hope you'll join us for part three, where we'll explore the emotions of belonging and fitting in. And if you're like me and have worked so hard in life to fit in, the distinction between that and belonging was a real eye-opener. So we hope you'll join us. And please let us know what you thought of this series by leaving a rating or a comment. Or um, join us at our Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, where we'd love to have you there. And please feel free to make comments there. Love to know who's listening. Thanks a bunch. Bye.